0: We're going to be in Revelation chapter 2 this morning once again, uh, verses 8 through 11. And we're going to talk about uh, what does it mean to be faithful and how is God calling us to be faithful in this time. But before we get to that, I want to just uh, pray again briefly. (sighs) Father God, we just thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for the joy of your salvation, Lord God, that when we surrender our hearts to you, there is freedom, Father. When we choose to no longer lean on our own understanding but to turn to you, there is freedom, Father. Chains break, strongholds break, Father. And all the fruits of the Spirit, Lord, the proof that we're walking in you, Lord, that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things abound in us. And so I thank you and I pray that you would lead us into this those things, Father, that we would not be separated from your goodness or your blessing or your grace, Father, but that we would experience the fullness of it which you have already given and promised to us through your spirit by the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. So this morning, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word with a joyful obedience. We thank you, we ask you, King Jesus, to come to teach us. You are the pastor of this church, Lord, and we bow our hearts to you this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You know, the Old Testament says, somewhere in there, um, every man will proclaim his own goodness. But who can find a faithful man? And as we consider the works of God, we consider uh, the works of his hand and even what he does in our life each day. The one thing that or not, one of the things that that really characterizes our God is that he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Until the new heavens and the new earth, each morning the sun rises and it sets. He sends the former and the latter reigns. He sends his blessings on the good and the evil, the just and the unjust. He is faithful. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that's a beautiful thing because when struggles come, when chaos happens, when turmoil is in your heart and in your life, You want to know that when you call on the Lord, he's going to be the same God in this trial. He's going to be the same God in this situation. He's going to have the same character towards you in your life experience today as he did before. And whatever he promised 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, he is still true to that promise today because he is faithful, faithful. But as followers of Christ, God's purpose for us is each day to be molded into his character, to be more and more like him. And so part of his will and desire for us as people is to be faithful. Starting in verse 8. Says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. This is Christ. I know your works, your tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, in the heading of my Bible here, it calls this church the persecuted church. Which is fair because not only is Jesus saying, hey, I know your works. I see your faithfulness. I see the works of your hand. I see your tribulations, your persecutions that you're going through for my namesake. And I see even that you're, you're dealing with poverty, that you're, you're poor even though you're rich. For the Lord tells us that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and that our reward is in heaven. But even more so, he says, more persecution is coming your way. And so I understand there's a, there's a good reason for it to be labeled the persecuted church, but really, as the Lord was speaking to me, me this morning and I was looking at this passage, I think a more appropriate um, heading would be the faithful church. Because there are seven churches that Jesus writes to or speaks, you know, John writes about, Jesus spoke to, in chapter two and three. Seven churches, and there are only two of them, Smyrna, the one we just read, and Philadelphia. Only two churches are not rebuked by Jesus for something. And so to this letter, he, he has nothing against them. He has, he doesn't have to tell them to repent anyway, but he's affirming them in their faithfulness and simply encouraging them to continue in that route, continue in that strain of faithfulness, and when they overcome, he's gonna be there, and he's going to give them that crown of life, that there is a reward in heaven waiting for them. And that's a beautiful thing. Now, obviously, I could preach about um, us as Christians being persecuted, and holding on to her faith. I could preach about being willing to go to prison for the name of the Lord. I could preach the old, um, if someone put a gun to your head what would you, and asked you, are you a Christian, what would you say, right? And all of those things were, would be appropriate. However, it's very interesting that this happens to be where we are in the book of Revelation this week because the Lord began to speak to my heart Tuesday. And as I was meditating in prayer and as I was meditating on his word, In the morning, as I was driving, as I was at lunch, the Lord just began to speak to me more and more and more about faithfulness. Faithfulness. And I think so often we we when we talk about faithfulness, it's it's this super like religious, Christian, dying a missionary type of you know, missionary-filled type of mindset, and that's fine. But really, there's much, much more about faithfulness in our life that we need to be aware of, um, much more about faithfulness that God wants us to walk in, to be pleasing to Him, and to walk in the image of Jesus. Now, are y'all aware that faithfulness is one of the fruits of the Spirit? Faithfulness. And as I was meditating last week and as I was praying and talking to the Lord, Suddenly, that hit me. In fact, Randall Tuesday morning had showed me his—he's uh, got a sermon schedule for the campus ministry, and and each week he's going to be preaching over a different gift of the Spirit. And as I was praying and meditating, I just—I just suddenly saw the image of that paper in my mind, and it was zoomed in on the word faithfulness, or faithful, whatever. And it just struck me. I begin to consider that, and I begin to consider that. In my experience, it just in my life, you know, experience that as people are talking about the fruits of the Spirit, or as I, I'm remembering conversations about the Holy Spirit working in us, faithfulness as an attribute is typically not one of the things that is high on the list there. It's something that, it just for, for me, and maybe it's different for you, but that is not something that has been discussed, I think, enough, honored enough. And so today I want to start with talking about what does it mean to be faithful, Just in a very, um, not in a real spiritual way, but just a set definition. So, the definition of faithful, oops, is loyal. To be faithful to someone or something, you have to be loyal. It's to be constant. And that's that attribute that God has towards us that He's constant, that He's unchanging. He's not high one day and low the next right? It's steadfast, or I really like this one, reliable. Reliable. And the church of Smyrna here, Jesus is saying, look, I see your works. I see that you've been constant, that you've been steadfast, that you've been reliable, and doing what I've called you to do. I've seen even that you've suffered persecution because you were unwavering in your faith. I just went through the the book of Galatians with Alana and Courtney and one of the things that Paul is writing is saying hey, if I was to compromise on this gospel even a little bit, if I was to say yeah, it's Jesus plus circumcision, I would lose persecution. I wouldn't have to deal with with the slander and the threats of murder and the being beaten and thrown out of synagogues and cast in prison. If I would just compromise a little bit, I'd be loved. But because we hold to the truth, just as we read in 2 Peter on Friday night, the word of God is blasphemed and we are blasphemed with it. Right? But they were steadfast And I see your poverty, that they hadn't abandoned the faith to pursue their own riches, to pursue their their own goals, but they held to Jesus in all things. And what's interesting to me is Jesus even goes on and says, and hey, by the way, I know you're being attacked by these synagogue of Satan, which is a really interesting term. But I want you to notice what Jesus is encouraging them to do, okay, And if anybody ever says I'm not encouraging, once you read these books in Revelation, I think I'm very encouraging, okay? Uh, (laughs) Because he doesn't say, hey, persecution is coming, run away. He doesn't say, hey, do this or else you'll be persecuted. He doesn't say, hey, um, let me change your circumstance. Hey, let me make you rich. He doesn't do those things. In fact, he says, and by the way, Satan is going to tempt you and test you, and some of you are going to be thrown into prison. And you, as a body, you are going to have tribulation for 10 days. That wasn't an option, that wasn't a get out or else. Jesus was telling them, This is going to be your life situation. And you know what his encouragement was? Be faithful unto death. And I'm going to give you the crown of life. So if you want to be encouraging like Jesus next time someone shares a struggle with you, just be like, hey, man, it's okay. Just be faithful unto death and you'll be good. And then there you go. you would be just like Jesus. Um, but no, really, what is, what is my point? My point is Jesus is not quite as worried about your circumstances or what people have to say about you, or what's going to happen in your life. Because, by the way, he's in control of those things. If the Lord wanted to deliver them from being cast into prison, he could have. If the Lord wanted to deliver them from those 10 days of of tribulation, he could have. Because when Peter was sleeping in the prison, and he was going to be headed the next morning An angel kicked him, woke him up, and every door of that prison opened before him and he walked straight out of there. And God didn't need any man's permission. But you see, God's desire is for us to be a faithful, steadfast, constant, reliable, unwavering witness of his grace and truth and mercy. That our lives are a witness. That lampstand that Jesus talked about last week that was in the middle of their church was the Christian witness. And God will use your deliverance to glorify his name just as he will your suffering. And if you don't believe me, look at Jesus' life. Who came to declare the living God and he was persecuted and persecuted and he was obedient and he was faithful even unto death. But what was the outcome? Three days later, he rose from the grave. He was exalted at the right hand of father. He comes back in Revelation 19 and 20. We see that when he comes again, he's going to come as the one who is like glowing bronze with eyes like a flame of fire. Who He simply speaks and the nations melt before him. That, that, that he is returning to the glory that he had with the Father before time began. And for us, we have been promised the same thing that as Christ rose, we'll, Christ, we'll, we'll rise with him. That as Jesus has all authority and all splendor and all things are his. First Corinthians 3:21 says, All things are yours. All things are yours, rather on heaven or on earth, because you are Christ and Christ are God, is God. All things are yours. And so we have a greater promise to cling to. And in this life, we're called only to be faithful. Now, I want to direct your attention for a moment. Some of you may be familiar with the history of Israel And in part of Israel's history was they had continued to disobey the Lord. And they had continued to disobey the Lord. And they had continued to disobey the Lord until the day came where God had sent them into exile. Babylon came in, destroyed everything, tore down their walls, ravaged their city, enslaved their people. And took the mass of them and scattered them abroad in their kingdom. And there's all these Jews, millions of Jews, I don't know, a lot, okay, that were uprooted and taken into Babylon, into a foreign country with foreign gods, with foreign rulers. And God said, you are going to be there for 70 years. That's what he said. You know how many years they spent there? 70 years, okay? And it's interesting that when you read through the Old Testament about that account, You know what he tells them to do? Put down your roots, baby. Marry and give in marriage. Grow vineyards. Eat, rejoice. And he was saying, you're not going anywhere. So while you're there, you might as well live the best way you can. And we even have an account of a few faithful men during that time. Their name were Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you can read the book of Daniel. They're in captivity. And guess what God does not do for them? He does not shorten their 70 years. He does not take them out of their tribulations. He does not send them back to Israel. But as they were in that 70 years of trial, as they were tested and food was put before them that would defile them before God, they chose to say no, we will not defile that. Millions of Jews, the Bible gives them this account of four that said no, and God exalted them. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, was gonna kill all the wise men, they were wise men, by the way. God was gonna kill, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was gonna kill all the wise men. They went home and they prayed and they cried out, Lord, deliver to us the interpretation. God honored them. They were exalted. They set up an idol. Nebuchadnezzar says that every time you hear the music and the horns blown, you will bow down before and you will worship this idol or you're dead. They said, no, our God will save us from your hand and even if he doesn't we will not bow and the fire was so hot that when they were thrown into the fire the guards that threw them in died and the king stood up from his throne astonished and he said how many people do we throw in that fire three because there's three people walking around in the middle of the fire and then there's a fourth who looks like the son of man And they called those three men out of the fire and they did not even smell like smoke because they were faithful to God and God was faithful in return. That's amazing. And the Lord was speaking to me last week before I even knew what we were gonna read in Revelation, before I'd even considered it because I don't do that till like Friday or Saturday. Uh, just, Just the truth. Um, and the Lord was speaking to me about faithfulness, and God is not so much concerned about all the things going on around you as He is what's going on inside of you. And I think the Lord wants us to realize that in every moment, in every situation, you are tested with will you be faithful? I worked for the last three days with my dad, Alan in Ingram, shoveling dirt. In the sun. And if anybody's ever worked with my dad, my dad's an awesome guy, unless you work with him. <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm just gonna tell you what it is, all right? He'll yell and throw things at you and ask you if you're ignorant and then say, baby, and try to hug you. And you're like, are you bipolar? <laughs> okay? And yesterday I was planning on being out there till about three because I gotta go home and prepare for a sermon, and I didn't leave till five. And it's okay, because he needed the help. He really did. If I wasn't there, they would, there's no way they would've been able to do it with two people, and I was okay with that. But there was a temptation in those extra two hours to be upset, to be annoyed, to be whatever. And if I wanted to grumble, even just in my heart, if I wanted to disrespect my father, if I wanted to speak against him, if I wanted to have a bad attitude, if I wanted to have a sour face, I could have justified any of those things because I was putting aside what I should have been doing to serve him. I was keeping the people at my house from being able to go, what they had, to do what they had already planned to do because they were waiting on me. And I could have justified my response, but at the end of the day, God does not care about your reasoning. He cares about your devotion. And the Lord has called us to give thanks at all things. He's called us not to grumble and complain, but to work as unto the Lord. He's called us to honor our mother and our father. He's called us to serve, even if it hurts. And just as much reason I could have tried to justify my grumbling, I had more reason to justify my service. Because of the king who bought me and served me, though I don't deserve it. And why do I bring that up? I bring that up because faithfulness is not something that only exists in the realm of our idea of Christian witness. Faithfulness is not something that just appears in our life when we go evangelize. Faithfulness is not something that is uh, applicable to us in the mission field, but not applicable to us at work. Faithfulness is a characteristic of your life that you either have or do not have, that you're either walking in or you're profaning. And when you open your mouth, the words you use and the way you speak is either faithful to the Lord or unfaithful. He says, Let no unwholesome thing come out of your mouth, but only that which is necessary for edification, that you may build one another up. Is what you said faithful? Uh uh-uh. uh. Sorry, bud. Like I already mentioned, work unto the Lord. When you're at work and your boss tells you to do something you don't like, are you grumbling and talking bad about him to your other coworkers because he's not around? As if, because he doesn't see, does that mean God doesn't see? Your character, do you have integrity? Are you honest? Or are you willing to lie if it suits you? All of these things are faithfulness Or unfaithfulness. If you've made a commitment, you know what the scriptures say? Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. If you say you're gonna be there, you show up. And if you can't, you call ahead. And that before God, between you and Him, is faithfulness. You see what I'm saying? Wherever God has put you, whatever situation your your, your life um, is going through, whatever stewardships he's placed on you, maybe one day you're gonna be taking care of your parents. If you reject that, you've you've rejected the Lord and his call for you to be faithful. Maybe you're a manager where you work and the way in which you do that is being faithful or unfaithful. Maybe you're a student and you know you're supposed to show up and do your work and do these things. I was really bad at that, by the way. No, I was bad on some of the work part. Um, And the Lord convicted me a lot. Are you being faithful or are you not? And so whatever the circumstances of your life is, your marriage, your children, all of these things, They're not divorced from the call to be faithful because they're not spiritual in our eyes. And just as Jesus was telling the church of Smyrna, you are going to suffer. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the things you're about to suffer. Don't be concerned with the trials that are before you. Don't be concerned with, is this path going to be difficult or how am I going to do it? Because Jesus is affirming his own faithfulness to you. But that is unwavering. And indeed, the devil is going to test you. You are going to have tribulation. But he gives them one command, be faithful unto death and you will receive the crown of life. He who has an ear let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So today. So today, God has called us in the same way. Let me let me level with you here for a second. You are going to be tested. You are going to experience tribulation. You being a Christian is not some free pass from those things. Whoever told you that is a liar. Okay? You may be rich, you may be poor. Those things are not important. The Lord will provide your needs. But the Lord, more than, more than anything this morning, wants us to take a look at your life. Take a look at the things he's put in your hands. Take a look at the things he's called you to today. Not next week, not next month. Some of us get so caught up in what we want to do later That we forsake our responsibilities today. Anybody ever done that? That is unfaithful. What has God given you this season? And what does it look like to be faithful in that? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. We thank you for time to come together to worship, Lord, to hear your word. And I thank you, Father God, that we can put our hope, we can put our trust in you, that we have reason to be faithful, Father, because you are faithful and you've promised to be with us. You've promised to provide for our needs, Lord, that you already know the things ahead of us, Lord, and you will not let us stumble if we cling to you. And so, Lord, we just ask for your help. We ask for your strengthening, Father, And Holy Spirit, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters in this room that you would highlight those areas in our lives where we have been unfaithful. And you would lead us into a true repentance so that next week, the turnaround will be the witness of our faith. That the way we speak will be a witness of our faith. The way we act will be a witness of our faith. The way we care and steward the things you've given us will be the witness of our faith because you have called us to be faithful. So Lord, I thank you, Lord, and we just ask for your help in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.